Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Every day, we have a member of one of the fantastic veteran service organizations on the show to talk to us about the things that they are currently focused on, the concerns that they have, the programs that they're operating, and today is no different. As we do every Friday, we'll be talking to a representative of the Veterans of Forum Wars, an organization which, full disclosure, I happen to be a member of post-1469 in Huntington Station, New York, is where I joined up quite a few years ago. And now we're going to talk to one of my fellow members. Her name is Sarah Maples, and she is the Director of National Security and Foreign Affairs for the VFW's National Headquarters here in Washington, D.C. Sarah, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. We are, of course, both members of the VFW, which means we served in the military and we served in a conflict, one or another, or both. Who knows? Let's find out a little bit about Sarah Maple. So tell us about your military background, where you're from, when you joined, and what you did. Okay. So I'm a former Air Force intelligence officer. I served from 2000 to 2007. I served uh, overseas as well in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Afghanistan. Uh, I served uh, at Shaw Air Force Base. It was my first duty assignment. I arrived there in May of 2001 and was working with the F-16 CJs when 9-11 happened. Uh, so we did a lot of uh, activity with Operation Noble Eagle. Then I worked for uh, CENTAF, which is now called AFCENT, and did collection management there and worked in the um, planning of the war in Iraq and uh, deployed to Saudi Arabia to the Combined Air Operations Center there for support for that. And then uh, I got to work overseas in Germany as a a computer simulations person. I planned scenarios and played uh, opposing forces. And then I worked at the Defense Language Institute as an associate dean and then deployed to Afghanistan as a Taliban al-Qaeda analyst. Wow. So (laughs) that is a busy career. People tell me mine was busy when I was moving around. sounds like you were moving around even more than I was. And as you mentioned, you know, dealing with uh, German, you actually speak a few other languages from what I understand that you are fluent in English, of course, as we've already learned, but then also German and Russian. And are there any others that you've tossed in there since your uh, college days? Uh, No, no. No? Oh, how about this Swahili? You ever done any Swahili? I I have not. I have. I took Swahili from one of the greatest professors and a forensic linguistics expert who also played at Woodstock. Wow. And we'll be talking to him later today and hopefully playing that on the show on Monday. One of those cool things. But yeah, foreign languages, people who are able to do that. And that always impresses me and it lets me know like, oh, that's someone who's bright and is able to pick up on things and can explain uh, the difficult, uh, the difficult subjects very well, typically, which is what we're going to be talking with you about in just a moment with these forced TRICARE changes, uh, basically that are coming to those who use TRICARE uh, and a recent survey that the VFW did that's come out that's raised some concerns. But before we get to that, let's go back to the end of your military career. What year did you get out? And tell me what you remember about that time, what it was like transitioning from Sarah Maples Air Force officer to Sarah Maples civilian. So I left the service in 2007, and at the time I actually became a military spouse. Uh, So I didn't leave the military entirely uh, until several years after that. Um, But it was a difficult transition um, going from being in charge of 450 students, 125 staff, and a million-dollar budget to Mm. being in charge of me (laughs) was a very big shift. Um, So, and 
uh, I miss the military some days. I miss the ability to know what's expected absolutely. Um, but it's great being out now and being back in the veteran community is, yeah. of course, really great. You know, I miss the good stuff, but then I remember that the good stuff was only like a small fraction of the time. And I remember, hey, I remember having to get up to go running at 4 a.m. in 100-degree weather in Guam. No, don't need to do that. I don't, I don't need any of the bad stuff. But I do miss it, and we do like talking to people about uh, the transition period and how, you know, for someone, look, look at you who speaks several languages, who had this job, uh, these many jobs, high speed jobs in the Air Force intelligence community, deploying, traveling all over the world. Um, it's a little soothing to some people, I think, to hear that just about everybody goes through those struggles when they get out. It doesn't matter how well things went for you in the military. I mean, we've talked to flag officers, admirals, generals who are there like, you know, I thought I was set for when I got out, but then I got out and things are a little bit different. How did you come to the VFW? I mean, did you join while you were still on active duty? Did it come afterwards? How did you come to be a part of the organization? So I didn't join while I was on active duty. I'm actually fairly new to VFW. Um, I think partially because like a lot of service members and veterans, I didn't truly really understand the impact that VFW has and all the things that they're doing. So I didn't realize that they advocate on the legislative policy community and individual level mm. and all of the aspects that they're involved in, the scholarship programs, the advocacy. And so I didn't realize the value and the relevance to me as a veteran until very recently. And now I'm just blown away by the impact that we have both for our 1.2 million members and for all veterans. You know, I always kind of thought of the VFW growing up as like, oh, that must be just some kind of drinking club for old war veterans to tell their war stories. And uh, when I got out, I still had some of that opinion of it. And I thought, well, that actually doesn't sound too bad to me. Let me go find one of them. Join my post and found out that the, the Veterans of Foreign Wars does. They do have that community aspect and that veteran uh, camaraderie that you can't find in too many places, specifically the uh, those who would understand what it's like deploying to a combat zone. Um, but they do so much more than that on the post level, on the state level, the regional level, and of course the national level. And the issue that we're going to talk with Sarah about today is certainly one that's on the national level. I got an email the other day from Rob Jones, who is a VFW life member, um, who is a double amputee Marine, who is a guy who's just done amazing things, just finished running 31 marathons in 31 days, biked across the country before that. Uh, he's working on figuring out what he's going to do next. But he sent me an email saying, hey, have you talked to anybody about these TRICARE changes that are coming up? And I sent him one back saying, no, not yet, but we definitely should. Do you have anyone in mind? And he said, no, I honestly don't know who to talk to. I need the information. So can you give us a little bit of the background on the issues that we're facing, the changes that are coming to TRICARE. Before we talk about the survey that's come back, let's talk about what's happening with TRICARE. Who is this going to affect and what are the changes? Sure. So the FY Fiscal Year 17 National Defense Authorization Act contained a number of changes that Congress mandated to the tri to TRICARE, which is the military health benefit. Um, number of those will be implemented in January of 2018. Uh, for example, TRICARE Standard and Extra will go away and will become TRICARE Select, which will be a new program. Unlike TRICARE Standard and Extra, where you didn't necessarily have to enroll, you will now be required to enroll in this new program. Uh, some of the other changes that are coming are a difference in cost structure. So currently under Standard or Extra, you pay a deductible and a percentage of what you personally use. Under the new system, it'll be a flat rate copay. Um, TRICARE Prime retirees will also see an increase in their co-pays starting mm. January 1st. 
there will be an annual enrollment period similar to uh, civilian insurance where instead of being able to change between plans at any time of the year, you'll have to do it during an enrollment period or after a qualifying life event such as a marriage, divorce, or birth of a child. Okay. Now, TRICARE, of course, as I know it and as I understand, I've never actually had to use it because I was single while I was in. TRICARE is used by the families of our active duty military, uh, depending on where they are. And then, of course, by our retirees, whether you know they did their 20 years of service, medically retired. Are those the groups that are going to be mostly affected by these changes? Um, yes, it is also used by surviving spouses and dependents. Oh, so right. I just want to add yeah. that in, um, and as well as reservist guard members. Um, and it's it's really going to impact um, family members who use Tricare Select, who currently use Standard and Extra. There will be significant changes there. The increases will affect retirees, um, and uh, there will be now a, a divide. Group A will be individuals who serve prior to January first, two thousand eighteen, right. and Group B will be those who come on active duty after that date. And there will be a difference in cost structure hmm. based on which group you belong to. Which is always interesting. I mean, I guess when they have to make changes, they have to pick some line in the sand, the line of demarcation uh, for where the split is going to be. But it's always interesting to see exactly where that is and when it happens who it affects, essentially. So we're speaking with Sarah Maples, who's the Director of National Security and Foreign Affairs for the VFW, working out of their national headquarters down here in Washington, D.C. And we're talking about the changes coming up to TRICARE. And now that we know exactly what those changes are, we have an idea of the changes that you just described to us. A survey went out from the VFW. And the survey seems to have shown that uh, these changes are coming and not many people seem to know that much about them. Just look at the email I got from Rob Jones saying, what's going on with TRICARE, dude? I mean, what did the survey tell you guys? That's true. So we conducted the survey between October 28th and November 8th. We had over 11,800 respondents. Uh, 86% of them indicated they were TRICARE eligible. And 52% reported that that survey was the first time they heard that any changes were coming to TRICARE. How many? 56? 52%. Okay, I rounded up, I guess, to 56. <laughs> 52 is okay. 56 is, that's unacceptable. Over half of people affected don't know. Now, did we get a breakdown of active duty, non-active duty? I mean, do we? What was it mostly people who are not serving anymore or a little bit of both? So it's 71% were military retirees. Mm -hmm. uh, about 5% were either currently serving on active duty guard reserve or their dependents. And another 3% were surviving spouses. That is kind of shocking to me. Um, I expected, I would expect that the majority of people on, well, how do I put this? Is the issue, the, the communication with the retirees and the people who aren't on base anymore, who aren't constantly being affected by that command information that I was a part of during, during my time in, are people on active duty, according to the survey and everything, are they more likely to know about the changes or is it kind of across the board? No, it's pretty much across the board. Wow. Um, we have... Um, at, uh, addressed this with uh, the Department of Defense and the Defense Health Agency and provided our feedback and our results of our survey that while they are uh, attempting to communicate with TRICARE beneficiaries, the message is not being received. And so we are concerned that a majority of the beneficiaries don't realize the drastic changes that are coming after January 1st. From what I've heard, and we talk to veterans every day, hey, we're connectingvets.com. We connect with vets literally every day. And the questions I've gotten are like, hey, what do you know about TRICARE? Unfortunately, I'm not involved in the program, so I don't didn't know much about it. I started looking into it and I saw a few things, but 
how do we fix this? I mean, is it too late to, to let people know what's going on? I mean, the changes are coming whether they know about them or not. So what do you think the, the, the DOD needs to do or the VA or whoever it is that needs to reach out to people? So it is DOD and we're going to work with them on uh, some suggestions and hopefully in the next month communicate to as many beneficiaries as possible. Uh, I also recommend individuals go to TRICARE.com, excuse me, TRICARE.mil slash changes. That's where they can find the summary of all the changes that are coming and how they specifically will be impacted depending on which plan they're in and which group they're in. One of the changes that would be uh, the most significantly affecting to members of the veteran community and the active duty community, I suppose. Those users of TRICARE Prime, according to the info that I saw on this survey, they said that only 12% of those receiving TRICARE Prime benefits were aware that their co-payments for retirees were increasing. That's 12%. One in 10, essentially. Only one in 10 knows that they're going to be paying more money every time they go to the doctor. How does that happen? How do we not get that information out to people? Well, that's what we're looking at. And that's what the survey revealed is that what what has been done so far, which include webinars and podcasts, as well as uh, VSOs and MSOs relaying the information, isn't quite making it through. And we're not sure if that's because of the magnitude of the changes that are coming, the variety of topics that are changing. So they're changing from three regions to two. The contractors who will administer those regions are changing. Uh, The programs themselves are changing. Costs are changing. So we're not sure the exact reason, but we're going to try to find as many ways as possible over the next month to make sure beneficiaries are aware and, again, can go to tricare.mil slash changes to learn as much as possible about what will happen after January 1st. One of the things I look at uh, in the numbers from the survey that maybe tells me a little bit about why this information can get out there. You just mentioned webinars and podcasts. The largest percentage of respondents were Vietnam veterans. That's almost 50% of all respondents. Your younger Vietnam veterans are going to be in their 60s these days. Um, Chances are having many relatives, having parents who are in their 60s, they're not going to be all that fluent on what a podcast even is or how to get to a webinar. I mean, every time my mother gets a new computer, I need to go set up the wipe. Sorry, mom, for talking about this, set up the Wi-Fi, get everything all set up on it because it's just, it, there's uh, a level of um, technical expertise, I guess, that's a big generational gap. And I'm not sure exactly where it happens, but do you think that's maybe part of the effect that they've gone a little bit too high speed with their methods of getting the mention, uh, getting the information out there? So I will say that our survey said only 1% of individuals reported having heard about the TRICARE changes from TRICARE social media. Mm -hmm. So I do think that is some of the problem that the methods that are being used aren't quite hitting their targets. But I can say that even younger individuals, um, one of my, my best friend is now a reservist and a military retiree spouse. She has received no information on the changes. And um, and so even active duty are, are reporting that they're not quite getting it either. And I think they're quite, a bit more savvy electronically, but we do, I think, need more direct contact with the individual beneficiaries uh, so that they understand what's happening. And it, it, it seems that these days there's, uh, when it comes from DOD, VA, any government organization, uh, of course we deal mostly with veterans uh, issues. It seems that sometimes it's like, well, we tweeted about it. I guess that's enough. How many veterans are currently, do we have a number or an estimate of how many veterans are currently receiving TRICARE benefits? Um, between active duty family members and uh, retirees, I believe the number is somewhere around six million. Six million. Do you know how many Twitter followers Tricare has? Thirty-one thousand. So that's um, <laughs> let's see. 
I'm not good at math, but I'm going to say that's uh, significantly lower than 1%. So I, I understand the benefits of social media. It's fantastic, but that's not going to reach enough people. I mean, you know, when you look at who's got the followers on social media, I guess the Kardashians and people like that, it's unfortunate that they have such a large platform and that groups like TRICARE just don't. But yeah, it seems to me that that when I hear about the electronic um, the electronic information dissemination, uh, I get worried for a couple of reasons. One, is it getting to everybody, particularly those who are outside of active duty who aren't forced to go and sit through the, uh, the mandatory training and everything like that? And then two, uh, is it working smoothly? Because one thing I remember of going through electronic training while in the military and while transitioning, oftentimes those websites were difficult to deal with, even when you're fairly computer literate like I am, or you have issues like that. I mean, I guess nobody wants to use the mail anymore and it's more expensive, but sometimes sending a letter out to somebody is the best way to do things. And I, I do wonder if they've moved too far away from that too quickly, at least at this point. But Part of figuring that out is things like this survey that the VFW did. And we are speaking with Sarah Maples. She's the director of national security and foreign affairs for VFW national headquarters. The surveys come out. When did we get the results back? I mean, I know it just ended in uh, early November, essentially, but we got the results back around that time or. Yes. And I've spent some time analyzing them and looking over the data and figuring out where the relevant points were and then uh, combining it into uh, something that we could use to uh, supply to both beneficiaries and the Department of Defense to say, here's what we're here's what we're hearing and here's where the things are lacking and what we recommend that uh, you look at to uh, correct the problem before January 1st. And that's the thing. I mean, it's less than a month, but almost a month since the surveys came back. But we're now a month out. Today is December 1st. So some of these changes are coming in one month. Have we gotten any response from DOD on the issues? Have we gotten anything on, on what they plan to do, what they hope to do? So we did. We have spoken to them um, and <clears throat> they're not they weren't very happy with our press release. Um, oh, well. <laughs> but we are working with them. Uh, we have made some suggestions for perhaps some avenues that they may not have traditionally considered to get um, the information out. Right. And they are looking at those. And we um, we do meet with them monthly to discuss a number of different TRICARE issues. And we will be meeting with them again next week it's, for the monthly meeting. So hopefully we'll get more information then. It's interesting to hear like, oh, they're not happy with it. Well, good. They shouldn't be happy with it because you've basically brought to light something that maybe they hadn't considered. I don't think it was intentional on their part. Like they didn't want people to not know about it, but that's why organizations like the VFW exist. You don't work for the DOD. You work for your membership in the veteran community at large. And this is something that's affecting a lot of people. And I know it's affecting a lot of people when I start getting emails, unsolicited emails like, hey, you heard anything about this TRICARE? Because somebody said something and it kind of raised a red flag. And I said, no, but we're going to talk to some people about it soon. And I'm glad that we've uh, we've been able to find out more about this issue from you. When people have concerns with TRICARE and, and issues like this, if they want to find out more, if they want to address those concerns to someone, I mean, should they reach out to uh, the VFW or whatever VSO they're more closely aligned with first? I mean, what's the first step for people who have questions and concerns about these uh, these changes coming up? 
Um, I think it depends on what they're most comfortable with. So, of course, they can go directly to TRICARE. They can go to the, the website I mentioned, tricare.mil slash changes, or contact their the contractor that they work with in their region. They can also reach out to VFW and other MSOs and VSOs. If we don't have the answer, we can certainly go back to the Department of Defense and, and ask it. And when we do get that feedback as a VSO, it's very helpful because we can provide and um, the details and the information and from the what is essentially the Defense Health Agency's customer base and provide them with useful feedback that they can use to then course correct. Um, again, like you said, it's not that we don't think that they're attempting to get the information out. No, it's just not no. being effective. And these are significant changes that we want to make sure that beneficiaries are aware of. Yeah. And it's, it's listen, I, I, I believe, I firmly believe that everybody over there has the best interests of our military and veterans in mind. Just when, when things ha- have not gone right, and clearly they haven't here. I mean, I'm looking at the, the TRICARE Twitter account, and hey, 31,000 followers. That's more than I have. There's a tweet from uh, yesterday about, are you using a TRICARE young adult TRICARE? You know, it's basically about these, hey, what changes are coming up? It's been liked four times. Four times. I mean, we're dealing with millions of people, and I just I don't feel like the information is getting out there. I'm not a TRICARE user, so I think that explains a little bit more about why I wouldn't know the details of it. But again, when I've got people contacting me who have been using TRICARE for years, they're like, hey, am I going to be paying more money when I go to the doctor? That's not a good thing. Uh, And it's particularly not a good thing if it just happens all of a sudden and they weren't expecting it to come. Um, I mean, it's kind of frustrating that there is that disconnect with information like this that is so important when it comes to healthcare that is such a big news item these days and such a big focus in the veteran community. I mean, everybody is trying to figure out the best way to go about things. And when changes are made and people aren't made aware of them to their healthcare, and this, this covers millions of retirees and active duty, like you said, uh, it's, it's frustrating. So where do we go from here, essentially? I mean, if, if DOD, is, they were not happy with uh, with the survey coming out, again, good. They shouldn't be happy with it because it, it, it spotlighted some things that need to be uh, changed, need to be improved. What's the next step? Where do we go? And what do we think is going to happen on January 1st? Do we think enough people are going to know about it? I mean, I think if it's not everybody, it's not quite enough. But what's next? Uh, so I, I don't think everyone will know about it, but I think hopefully those who listen to your show, of course, will know <laughs> more know. about it. Yeah. Uh, and those who go to tricare.mil slash changes can learn more about the specifics. And we do know we have heard from the contractors that they are upping the number of individuals in their call centers because they are anticipating a number of questions. So the individuals <laughs> after January 1st will be prepared to answer those questions. Um also, I would recommend that individuals, uh, if they're not already subscribed to VFW's Action Corps, that uh, we have a weekly uh, newsletter that we put out, a digital newsletter that we put out that explains what VFW is doing and what the latest developments are on topics like TRICARE changes. Um, that's where we initially put out our survey as well as other um, social media outlets. And we got a good response, and we're hoping that um, by more individuals signing up for that, they'll become more aware and get more involved. And, of course, you can always reach out to us. We're happy to answer questions. I, I, that cracked me up. They're expecting some more call. Oh, you think when people get a bill that's bigger, when their doctor says it's going to cost more than last. It's what now? When did that happen? Yeah. I think they might get a couple calls on, uh, on that day, January 1st or anytime anybody going for their post new year's checkup, uh, and now paying more money, they might be wanting to give them a call. And of course we always enjoy having the VFW in studio with us every Friday. And if people want to find out more about the VFW, if people want to join the VFW or find out if they are in fact eligible, where do they go to do that, Sarah? That would be at VFW.org. 
And VFW.org is the website to go for all things VFW. Again, find out about eligibility. And even if you're not eligible or not interested in becoming a member, the VFW officer office offers, my goodness, it's Friday. Meh. <laughs> they offer services to all of the veteran community. They're willing to help you out if you need help. They're not just there for their membership. They are there for all veterans. And I'm proud to be associated with the VFW myself. And I'm glad we got to talk to Sarah Maples. Sarah's a national security and Foreign Affairs Director of the VFW of the United States, and she's been informing us on this TRICARE stuff, and we are going to be keeping two eyes on it going forward. Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.